0: Welcome to the anthro to ux podcast, where you will learn how to break into UX with an anthropology degree. Through conversations with leading anthropologists, working in user experience, you will learn firsthand how others made the transition, what they learned along the way, and what they would do differently. We will be discussing what it means to do UX research from a practical perspective, and what you need to do to prepare a resume and portfolio i'm your host matt arts a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management user experience and business strategy let's get started hi everyone welcome back to the anthro to ux podcast i'm matt arts i'm here today with Tariq Rahman, who's a phd student uh, currently working on his dissertation but has had a few internships already uh, in the ux space and know that he wants to work in the ux space so first that's a mean and then Nike, and then uh, recently with Red, which is a little bit different than a UX internship, but nonetheless, there's a little bit of overlap, and we're going to talk about how that all contributes to uh, the path. Um, so Tark, would you mind uh, just sharing a little bit about how you got interested in anthropology and your story so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always an interesting question, and <clears throat> you know there's a million ways to answer it probably, but um the the truth is that I just uh, I grew up with um, a pretty unique background. Um, my mother was from Oklahoma city. My father was from Pakistan. They met in Brazil. And then I ended up growing up in Phoenix, Arizona, which, um, you know, at at the very least we can say like, wasn't the most diverse place at that time. Um, and so I, I, the, know, growing up, like with that kind of background, there was like no blueprint for like, how was, how I was supposed to be, or how I was supposed to think about the world or act or behave or anything like that. Um, And that kind of like made it really easy to um, just sort of be curious about the way that other people thought about the world and experienced the world um, and think about it without like much judgment or assumption. It just kind of like opened me up to other people's experiences. Um, And, you know, I um, just kind of like spent like a lot of my youth just hanging out with different sorts of people and learning about how they did things. And when it came time to, uh, go to graduate school, um, I discovered this wonderful discipline anthropology where, um, you know, that was basically what they did for a living. And, um, really like, you know, there was like no career that even came close to, uh, exciting me as, uh, as, as much as that, um, just like the idea of kind of making uh, a profession out of, um, just deep hanging out, learning about, you know, how people experience things and then kind of bringing that information back, um, to inform the way we understand, um, some of the most, you know, important events that that we're going through. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, I guess you could just say like an instant hit for me. Uh, it was, um, just like an, an, an immediate appeal, that way of kind of, um, relating to people and that way of understanding the world.
0: Why don't you tell us a little bit about your fieldwork?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, i was lucky enough to end up in an anthropology department that you know used those kind of conventional uh methods like ethnography and interviewing and paying attention to things like kinship and emic and edict view um but you know to understand very contemporary phenomena um so professors in my department study everything from real estate to cryptocurrency to financial markets, um, but, you know, kind of always in this uh, really, you know, human-centered way. Um, And so, you know, me having family in Pakistan, that was kind of just a natural place for me to be interested in and want to learn more about, you know, having grown up in the US. And one thing that always interested me about Pakistan was that they, you know, Pakistan is a, a developing country, doesn't have a great economy but they have this like really robust trillion dollar real estate market um, that everyone is either investing in or wants to invest in. Um, And, uh, you know, beyond that, the the real estate market, you know, really functions more like a a stock market, you know? Um, So in the U.S., typically you'll, um, you know, invest in some real estate, maybe sell it like a couple of years later or something like that. But in Pakistan, you know, they found a way to make it so that you can buy and sell you know within a month within a week sometimes even the same day so people are really just kind of like flipping these properties like you would um a stock and so you know when it came to uh my dissertation research you know being at a place like uci where um you know people were kind of like already thinking about uh this sort of stuff um that really just ended up being the perfect project for me and you know the trick was to kind of um try to figure out like how i could get at that anthropologically Um, and fortunately, you know, in my first few years of coursework, I got the chance to take courses like spirits of capitalism, which is all about, you know, the way that markets work in other parts of the world. Um, and I also got the chance to, you know, do a really great uh, year-long seminar on methods, which is another great thing that, that UCI Anthro does. Um, so really, you know, digging into the nitty-gritty of research design and um, all the different ways you could study something as, you know, big and amorphous as a, a global market. Um, and, you know, really what I, what I landed on um, in that research was, uh, you know, the importance of land, like in a context like this, right? So stocks, Pakistan does have a stock market. Uh, It's just um, not very profitable and not many people invest in it. And the reason is that uh, for that is that Pakistan is a Muslim country and many people view stocks as haram or, or forbidden. The value isn't real, right? Something like land, that's not the case. It's tangible. You can see it. You can understand why the value goes up or down, ideally. And that's why, you know, everybody is uh, investing in real estate there and and treating it like a stock, and so the dissertation ended up being you know this really fun exploration of the different ways that people valued land, and then how that shaped something like um, speculative financial activity. Um, and of course, you know this was also a really great way to get acquainted with business um, and with industry, um, and you know I think like a, a, a perfect way to kind of like prep myself for a transition to industry research.
0: And so why don't you tell us about that first internship?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was interesting. Uh, I, for my dissertation research, I mean, I ended up doing about two years of field work in Pakistan. Um, but prior to that, um, I did preliminary field work uh, for uh, two summers. And um, my goal there was really to try to just meet people in the real estate sector. Um, and I ended up kind of placing myself at this company called zamin.com, uh, which was a startup and they were Pakistan's first property portal. So like basically a place where you can, you know, buy and sell real estate online. Um, and I, you know, I basically just kind of placed myself there and use it as a way to meet developers and brokers and investors and kind of just get the lay of the land. Um, but while I was there, I, you know, encountered an opportunity to also contribute to what they were doing. So Zameen is, you know, a really big company when it first got on the scene in Pakistan, it exploded. Um, but then it, it's growth started to stagnate, uh, around 2020. And there was this question of kind of like, okay, you know, we've, 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 come this far. We have our people who are kind of, you know, already interested in the digital space when it comes to real estate, but you know, how can we continue Going, what's going on, why are, uh, you know, people um, not adopting this platform at the same rate that they were before. And um, so I got the chance to do some, you know, really interesting foundational research uh, with real estate investors in Pakistan. And um, I got to learn about basically um, the existing uh, mistrust for digital platforms and reliance on more like handshake deals and personal connections and things of that nature when it came to investing in real estate. Um, And so I spent time, you know, in the offices of brokers kind of watching how they dealt with clients. And then, um, you know, another really important uh, site for investment in Pakistan's real estate market is WhatsApp, because a lot of the investment activity actually comes from diasporic Pakistanis living in, you know, North, North America and Europe and the Middle East and, and, and other parts of the world. And so I got a chance to do some digital ethnography there and kind of figure out, okay, like even these people who are living overseas are still preferring to go through their local brokers that they go back home rather than, you know, this property portal, which, you know, ideally would be uh, like a much easier way to do things. Um, and so I was really just able to kind of delve into like, uh, what it was exactly that people m- mistrusted about um, digital infrastructure and digital information and things being presented in that way and how Zemean, um could potentially establish greater trust for um, a property portal uh, in the context of, um, you know, the real estate investors, you know, in Pakistan and then Pakistanis around the world. And it had to do with things like, you know, providing more, um you know information on listings and specific types of information um that you would ordinarily get from brokers but that people just like weren't necessarily listening and it also had to do with geospatial information so um i don't know if uh you've ever been to pakistan probably not but google maps doesn't work so great there right and so if you just give like a street address or something like that um often it can be difficult to kind of pinpoint uh the place on the map where that property exists and so having a more robust presentation of like where the property was located, the amenities next to it and things like that. Um, again, just kind of helps to replace the knowledge that someone would otherwise get from a local broker who lives in the area and knows the area. Um, and so I spent about, uh, three months working on this project. Um, and I got the chance to, um, you know, kind of do some evaluative research with the existing portal, do some competitive research to get some ideas for how it could be improved, um, and then delivered a final report um, directly to the company's CEOs because um, it's a small startup company, and so some, sometimes you get the chance to, to do stuff like that. And um, they implemented uh, all three of the recommendations that I ended up making. And um, actually, over the course of six months, they ended up experiencing a 10% increase in, in monthly active users on on the platform. So it was a really great way to kind of, um, you know, get some experience in the industry research space. And then also, you know, like, I think something that we miss out on uh, as PhD students is that, you know, when we're doing fieldwork overseas, um, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of companies like this that, we have a chance to not just, you know, work with, uh, you know, during our field work, but also like potentially make a big impact because these are like emerging markets. They're places where um, a lot of new ideas are being tried out. And um, if you bring that, you know, ethnographic research expertise, um, you can actually have an opportunity to make a significant impact on that company, that market, um, and you know that technology. So I really just kind of lucked out because I mainly did it as a way to just kind of like repay them for letting me hang out, <laughs> and you know, kind of entice them to uh, continue letting me hang out. But um, yeah, it, I, I would say that it also kind of birthed an interest in me for that kind of research, and um, you know, I, I was also some just really helpful foundational experience for um, you, know, you know to build on as I started applying for UX internships in, uh, back in the US.
0: You know, there's a few things in there that I think are, are relevant to listeners. You know, so one is, I suppose, based on what you said earlier, the program was relatively open to to the type of fieldwork you were doing, but that, that still may not imply that they're open to like there being a, maybe a, a UX component or even digital ethnography component. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that and like, did you have to sell that? But also then there's the aspect of, of incorporating, you know, a very sort of applied practical, in this case, UX component, to the PhD work, so that the dissertation becomes more than just the document, but it also becomes a a sort of portfolio piece in in a more traditional UX sense. So, let's just go back to the first. Um, when you were you know doing some of this work, did what did your program think of it? Um, were they open to the methods, you know, digital methods, and and to sort of spending time hanging out doing UX work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um... You know, I think uh, one of the professors is particularly well-known, Amit Belsdorf, who did an entire project on um, uh, Second Life, I think it's called. Uh, and, um, you know, that was all digital ethnography in um, this uh, space where he was trying to kind of figure out um, what are uh, the differences in how, you know, people interact in digital space and then, also, you know, trying to, you know, really overcome like this binary that we have between like the real and the digital and think about um, how uh, they, they intersect and um, how they're, you know, informed by the other. So, you know, and, and you know, there's, there's, you know, a number of other projects in my department like that. And so that's just all to say that, you know, I don't think that my department kind of views digital ethnography as any less g- legitimate than In-person ethnography, um, and in fact, in a project like mine, where you know you're literally uh, you know studying investment activity from fifty different countries, I mean, it's not possible to do that in person, right? Unless you wanted to spend like fifty years working on your dissertation, Um, and so you know, really, like uh, you know, the, the WhatsApp groups where people were getting together to talk about the market were the only way to study that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I definitely lucked out that I was in a department that welcomed that. Um, I've heard horror stories about, you know, kind of more traditional folks kind of not, you know, considering that as like a legitimate research method, but, um, my department was open to it and, you know, I got a few grants as well and they were open to it too. So maybe things are changing (laughs) in anthropology these days. Um, and with respect to the the UX side of things, I mean, honestly, it was like a side project that I kind of just ran by my advisor, like, "Hey, is it's okay to do?" Um, and she was totally cool with. But you know, my department, like most other anthropology departments, is made up of people who got their PhDs in anthropology, and for the most part, don't have much industry research experience. And so, my engagement with my advisor and committee members around this kind of stopped there. I mean, they were fine with it, but um, they didn't have any practical advice on like how to do U- a UX resource project or anything like that. And so from there, it was kind of a matter of making use of, you know, all of the resources online. And as you know, um, there's a bunch of great primers out there, you know, methods handbooks um, and things like that to kind of like really figure out like, um, you know, what is the best way to kind of understand, you know, how people are experiencing this platform and how it can be improved? Um, I think the challenge for me was um, more that, you know, in a place like Pakistan, UX research is pretty novel. There's, you know, not much value for qualitative research in general in settings like that. And so kind of, um, making the case for, um, not just like the importance of doing the project, but also kind of making my findings as impactful as possible. Um, you know, that, that, that was, uh, I, I would say like, you know, one, one of, one of the biggest challenges to overcome. Um, and so really just like when I delivered that final presentation, um, you know, front-loading the ethnography diving into, um, you know, some of the people, uh, people's experiences, um, that I learned about, um, really highlighting the, you know, frustrations and mistrust that people were experiencing with using the platform. And then, you know, bringing in, um, some of my competitive research around, um, not so much companies in Pakistan, but companies elsewhere that this company was trying to compete with, um, you know, really helped just kind of, you know, make the case for like selling those findings.
0: Now to propose that. It implied that you already knew what UX was. So did that come up in the program or you just, you know, on LinkedIn and everywhere else you just had come across it and were aware of, you know, that UX was even an opportunity?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. I actually um, probably like first heard the term UX uh, around the beginning of my PhD program, like in 2016 or something like that. And I think that I disregarded it. I think someone told me like, yeah, anthropologists are... Doing research on apps and websites, and um, you know that's like a potential career path to take. But I was kind of like all in on the academic route, and um, I like pretty much ignored it uh, uh, for the next few years. Um, and it wasn't until you know I came across um, this opportunity in my dissertation research that I revisited that. Um, and but, you know, for me, really, it was, you know, a a very bottom up process of kind of, you know, it was heavily shaped by kind of the needs at the time, right? So I didn't like try to learn everything that I could about UX. I didn't like try to master, you know, card sorting or, um, you know, like diary studies or anything that I didn't need to know. It was very much like, okay... This is a practice that I know exists. It's something that could be useful uh, to this company. Um, And so I'm going to take a very pragmatic approach. I have the ethnographic background and I'm going to just figure out which methods will be useful here for kind of doing the research that I want to do and telling the story that I want to tell. So it was like very much like a bottom up um, experimental introduction to UX research. Um, and it really wasn't until I did the internship at Nike that I got the kind of more well-rounded, you know, robust understanding of the practice.
0: And so Ryan, tell us a little bit about that, as well as how your current experience at Red as a strategy consultant is uh, potentially, you know, enlarging your vision of what it might mean to practice in industry and, and how you really then apply, plan to kind of combine those learnings in your future UX career.
1: Yeah, that that's a great question. So, um, you know, the, the Nike internship was just really a dream opportunity. Um, I got the chance to run an end-to-end project. Um, and I had a really interesting project as well. Um, you know, I probably shouldn't give like too many details about it because all this stuff is proprietary, but um, I got the chance to do a project that combined um, foundational and evaluative research. Um, they... I had a question like basically around like why people weren't doing a certain thing on the app. And so I got to kind of design, you know, a study around this really big question of like trying to understanding to understand something that's not happening. And then a more evaluative question uh, in terms of like coming up with prototypes uh, to test how we might be able to make that thing happen a little bit more. Um, And so it was just like the perfect way to really dive into UX. Um, and get a, um, I think, broad understanding of the different methods that exist, how to use them, um, and when to use them. Um, The other really great thing about being at Nike was that the team was just so knowledgeable. I mean, uh, you know, between everyone, I mean, there was just decades of experience. People had come from, you know, lots of different disciplinary backgrounds and um, also, like, other, like, sorts of companies. Um, and, you know, during my time there, you know, every chance that I could, I would make use of, you know, that knowledge that they offered, whether it was getting help on the, uh, research design, the study guide, the analysis, um, putting together the, you know, final presentation, needed lots of help on that. Um, but I, I, I think that's the other great thing about these internships is that, um, I, I would imagine it's a little bit different from like just coming in uh, full time. Whereas there's an expectation that, I mean, first and foremost, you're there to learn and, um, people are often very eager to help. Um, and so I like absolutely made the most use of that, uh, as I could during my time there. Um, and I was really happy with the end result, um, as was my team uh, and the, the broader organization. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, fortunately, I um, got the chance to do a second internship at Red Associates, uh, which just wrapped up. And that was uh, more of a strategy consultant role. Now, Red is um, a little bit unique in the consulting space because they take um, an ethnographic approach to their, to their work. Um, and so there was definitely a lot of overlap with anthropology and UX uh, in my role there. Um, And in addition to that, uh, again, have to keep things, you know, kind of uh, vague uh, for confidentiality purposes. But um, we did work with a client in big tech on, um, you know, potential uh, new consumer use cases uh, for generative AI. Um, And so I got the chance to do um, field work for several weeks um, with everyone ranging from young folks to older folks, um, kind of examining how people were using some of the different, uh, generative AI platforms out there and what's kind of like missing in the focus on, um, you know, efficiency and, you know, just making worse work easier, because, um, I think there's already like lots of signals starting to emerge that I mean, yes, it's a big part of the reason that people use generative AI, but there's like a lot of other more social, emotional, you know, types of things happening. Um, and so I got, you know, the chance to like really, uh, delve into that sort of stuff, um, and, uh, do like a different sort of, uh, product research. Um, this time, you know, whereas Nike was more kind of like a mix of foundational and, um, evaluative, um, this was, you know, pretty exploratory, like all the way down, um, you know, which, uh, is definitely like exciting in its own way. Um. But then, you know, for the you know second half of the internship, we jumped into analysis. And that's where some of the differences really started to emerge, both from my PhD research um, and, you know, my UX research internship at Red, at Nike. Um, you know, the, the major difference here, I guess there's two major differences here. Um, one big difference is that, you know, in UX, I mean, you're on a team, but you uh, tend to own your projects, um, end to end. Right. And at red, um, you're not just on a team of consultants, but you're on a project team, right? Which means that there are a couple of other consultants alongside you doing the research. There is a project manager, there is a senior manager, and there's, um, you know, one or two partners on the project. So there are lots of eyes on what's going on, lots of different layers of decision-making, and ultimately um, it is a highly collaborative environment, right? And that was pretty new for me. Um, I got the chance to experience really like the magic that can happen when you have a team of super sharp, super dedicated people. We've all done research on the same topic, kind of coming together um, and really trying to like iron out, you know, what's happening here. And in this case, in, like a really cutting edge space, right? Like generative AI. Um, and so that was, um, a really amazing de- process to go through because like this kind of project, like if I would have done it on my own, I, it would have been 10% as, as good and taken twice as long. Right. Um, and you know, I, getting the chance to just kind of experience that more collaborative dynamic and collaborative approach to research was really special because I got the chance to see, oh, okay, this is how like really, really, really robust work, you know, get gets done um and in an efficient way. And then the second thing that you learn from uh red, um, you know, in which is in the strategy consulting world is um you know really how to um I think more effectively speak to uh business interests, right? And that's I think you know an emerging topic. I mean it, you know it's been you know obviously like a priority in US UX research but I think it's becoming kind of more and more important in the context of, um, you know, recent trends we've seen over the past year or so. Um, And so I felt very lucky to kind of receive that specialized training in, you know, okay, we have these really great qualitative research findings, but you know, how do we translate that to this client's particular business needs? How do we um, evaluate the competitive landscape that they're in to try try to show them like the niche contribution that they can make? And how can we use these research findings about what's going on right now to inform a strategy at this company for the next five years, right? And so that really um, kind of took a lot of what I learned at Nike and, you know, pushed it in directions that to be honest, like I weren't even conceivable to me. Um, and so just kind of like operating at that level was a really special experience. Um, and I took a ton from it. And I think that that training can be incredibly valuable in the UX space, um, for making, uh, our research more impactful. Right. And, I'm a rookie here, Um, I haven't seen most of the things that, you know, most of the guests who come on your show have seen, but I do know enough to know that, um, you know, in most settings UX is uh, fighting for influence, right? And so I'm really excited about the possibility of bringing that training to an environment like that um, and really trying to push on how much influence uh, UX researchers can have um, in the organizations, because I think there's a lot of tools available, um, that we can learn from some of these different domains to, to make our work more impactful.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, you absolutely communicate, um, uh, the impact that internships or applied projects can have on not only shaping your career, but even just the way you, you think about research, uh, coming out of a program. Right. And so considering it's been so impactful for you, I'd like to ask maybe just one last question here related to these internships. And that is, you know, how might you suggest other, maybe students think about getting, you know, an internship and how they should just think about the potential value they're going to get back from that, especially considering that many, you know, are still sometimes cautious about getting one in industry.
1: I think that probably the biggest barrier that I had to overcome when it came to Um, you know, really just kind of uh, dipping my toes into UX research even, was this idea that academia and industry are two different worlds. You know, I remember going to this conference, um, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and, you know, someone was talking about how they had an interest in industry research, but um, they really weren't doing anything about it right now because it was just, you know, too different It felt like too much of a leap. And honestly, it's something that people in UX tend to like reproduce as well, kind of by saying, you know, how relieved they are to not be in academia anymore and these things. And there's definitely differences, but I would argue that they're more similar than different. (laughs) You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I feel like I'm exercising a lot of the same muscles. Um, I feel like the work is just as robust. Um, And, you know, I was telling someone earlier, I mean, you know, when I'm in these spaces, honestly, I feel sharper, um, than ever because I'm not only having to think, um, really, uh, you know, boldly, but also really quickly, you know what I mean? And really clearly. Um, and you know, so I, I, you know, feel like, uh, the, the, the skills that we bring as, as academics, of course, like translate really well, but I also feel like, um, these worlds, you know, aren't as separate as we, um, sometimes understand them to be in ways that are, that that are both good and bad. So, you know, for someone who's like trying to get into UX, I would just say, like, don't think of it as like distinct from what you're already doing. I mean, it's really similar. Um, and, um, I think like, you know, uh, building on that, it's, it's perfectly possible and legitimate to start thinking about this stuff, early on in your Ph.D. program, you know, Um, and I understand I'm still in my Ph.D. program. I understand better than anyone else that it you know, sucks up a lot of your time. But, you know, really, all it all it takes is 30 minutes to an hour, a few days a week, um, just doing a little bit of reading, reaching out to folks for informational interviews, you know, building up a LinkedIn profile. You can take your time. You're in a Ph.D. program. There's no rush. Um, but I would just say that, you know, like, uh, there's no, um, kind of conflict with kind of getting started with this stuff early on. Um, it doesn't, you know, prevent you from thinking about your, uh, research, um, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, more clearly. Uh, And in fact, the skills that you learn from it can, you know, potentially even, um, help make your approach more robust. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 I think like there's one thing I regret, is just like, you know, not getting started earlier. Um, and so just carving out a little bit of time, you know, every day to, um, look into this stuff and, and get acquainted and get familiar with this space, um, is, you know, I, I think like, uh, one, uh, really helpful way to get started. Um, and then, you know, when, when it comes to, um, uh, you know, kind of getting, internships, um, you know, that sort of preparation early on in the program uh, will be invaluable um, because when you reach the point of wanting to apply for those internships, you know, hopefully um, you've kind of acquainted yourself with the language of the industry, you've made some connections um, and, you know, if you get the chance to interview for one of these positions, um, you can speak to the particular um, kind of uh, signals that, you know, people are going to be looking for from uh, an applicant, right? Um, and so kind of all of that just sort of like background research that you've done, you know, over, you know, the past few years, uh, like while you're in your PhD program, it'll kind of come to fruition um, in these conversations with people where you're not going to sound like a complete novice, right? You're going to, you know, demonstrate that you have an interest in this world. Um, you have a commitment to this world and that, you know, you, you, uh, belong in this space. Um, so yeah, I think that would be like one practical tip that I can give, which is, um, to get started earlier rather than later. Um, there's lots more that I can say, but I'll, I'll cut myself off there.
0: Oh, that's great. And so, uh, you know, do you have anything coming up that you want to make everybody aware of and where should people find you if they're interested in getting in touch?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely, uh, find me on LinkedIn. Um, I think my name will probably be in the episode title and, uh, the show notes. Um, and you know, if anybody's interested in my dissertation research, um, I published an article, uh, last year in economic anthropology called landscapes of risk, um, risk being, uh, an Islamic concept that, um, when you give to charity, you, uh, get back rewards. And so I kind of use that as a way to think about risk-taking in Pakistan's real estate market. Um, and there's a little bit in there about the, the WhatsApp investors that I, that I talked to. Um, and yeah, other than that, um, you know, I always love to connect with people on LinkedIn. So if, um, folks have questions about this process of kind of entering, uh, UX as a PhD student and applying for internships, um, I'm always happy to kind of share more about my experiences and, um, kind of how I prep myself, uh, for those roles and, you know, how to get the most out of, out, out of those like awesome US internship uh, opportunities that are out there.
0: I well, thank you for the taking the time and awesome. Uh...
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. And, um, you know, also just like, I got to give you a shout out as well for all the incredible work that you do. I have to say, I me mean, one thing that I didn't get a chance to mention was that, I mean, this podcast was actually where I got my start when it came to kind of, you know, prepping for these US internship interviews. You have such a rich archive of episodes on here. um, and it was like really just like the perfect way for me to kind of start getting acquainted with the language and the norms and the values of this field. Um, and in many ways, it was kind of the foundation for a lot of the stuff that, that came later. So thanks for this awesome work that you do. It's a, um, you know, I think hugely beneficial resource um, to all the folks out there that are, you know, trying to make the transition to, to industry research and in UX specifically.
0: Well, thanks for that as well. I appreciate the feedback. Glad to hear It was helpful for you. And uh, thanks again for coming on
1: course. Have a good
0: one. Thank you all for listening to the Anthro to UX podcast. To learn everything you need to break into UX, visit anthrotoux.com. There you will find all the podcast episodes and career coaching resources. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.